Hi and welcome. This is a Steve Albert with Super Anti-Aging Podcast. So much information to share. Thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for sharing these podcasts with uh, people you care about. I try and do my best to find the latest health information to share with my listeners and, of course, my patients. And so let's get into the nice nitty-gritty Vitamin D, <laughs> another study on vitamin D and inflammation and COVID and cardiac health. Make sure you're getting vitamin D, especially in the wintertime. There seems to be a problem that some people have a conversion problem and they might need extra uh, K2 to help with the conversion of vitamin D into the active form. Blood test, you can, if you don't have insurance, you can get a finger test online. Make sure your numbers are at least 50 and higher. When you get to around 30 and lower, not a good thing. So vitamin D. Now as far as the anti-aging research, it's very, very exciting. We're seeing some commonalities. And the commonalities really are... Again, as I said in previous podcasts, uh, mitochondrial wellness, um, stability of your DNA, um, turning on your epigenetics, your good genes, controlling blood sugar levels. There's no doubt that insulin resistance, high insulin levels are a problem, not only for diabetes, but... Some recent research showed that what we consider normal blood sugar is not necessarily normal. Same with blood pressure. Uh, two and a half hours after you eat, your blood pressure, I mean, two and a half hours after you eat, your blood sugar, see, my blood sugar is dropping, so I have to be careful. Uh, that's what happens. You're so healthy, you just have to you know, eat a lot of sugar. No, I'm just kidding. So let me get into this again. What I, the fasting blood sugar, okay, but it's really the two and a half hours after you eat should be around 130 or lower. Uh, when you're doing a blood test for sugar, make sure you're also having your fasting insulin done. Very, very, very important. We're seeing epidemics of what's called fatty liver. We don't know all the reasons for it, but it's not a good thing. One out of four Americans seem to have fatty liver, making you more prone to all sorts of health conditions, including liver failure. And there seems to be a connection to insulin and glucose levels. And maybe, maybe, depletion of antioxidants. The majority of your glutathione is made in the liver. That's right. It's made in your liver. Then it's exported to cells throughout the body. Now you can take foods with glutathione. You can take supplements as I do, liposomal glutathione to get into the cells. Broccoli, seed, sulforaphane will increase glutathione levels. 
NAC is supposed to, NAC is supposed to help because it's got the cysteine, it's supposed to help increase glutathione levels. There are multiple ways, and that I can devote a whole podcast again to glutathione, which I've been studying for almost 40 years. <laughs> uh, in fact, uh, it, it's a major factor in infections and immunity and COVID and uh, anti-aging longevity. Well, let me get back to the topic of the liver. So it's quite possible that either genetically or because of environmental poisons or alcohol, you have lower production of glutathione in the liver. Therefore, there's less glutathione to be sent to the lungs when you need it. So it's very... Now, it might be that the lower levels of glutathione makes the liver more prone to it's called fatty liver things to do control your sugar levels carbohydrate levels obesity certainly is a factor and uh, as I mentioned in previous podcasts and you can certainly do a search and eventually eventually I'll have a show notes on a, on a site but um, inositol even up to a couple of grams had lemonositol. It's great for sleeping and anxiety. And IP6 seem to have some really positive effects on the liver. I like liposomal glutathione. You know, there are a lot of liposomal glutathione's out there, and most of them taste terrible. So I do prefer the pills. I use a product by uh, either Douglas Labs or. Um, let me see. Uh, or pure encapsulations, which make a great liposomal product. And you can certainly take oral glutathione. You can take the powders and try them. I think they also work great. Um, it's difficult to evaluate your glutathione because the blood tests are not all that great. And just because you have, you're not measuring cellular glutathione, you're measuring transport in the blood, and that doesn't really mean anything. I mean, you might have that, just had a, um, a stressor, and you're going to export glutathione at that point. But it really doesn't tell you anything about cellular levels, and that's the problem with a lot of tests right now. Um, they don't really measure cellular levels, even vitamin tests that they're doing. And it's going to tell you what kind of vitamins to take. Blood levels really don't mean that much. Yes, it might be valuable if you're taking a supplement and it still shows up low in the blood. You might have a genetic issue. You might not be converting uh, folic acid, the active folate, or the B1 thiamine into the active B1 or even uh, B6, which we see problems with. So... Uh, either doing a, a genetic gene test or measuring the B vitamins and taking them and see what's happening. But again, we don't really know cellular levels. Moving on, we're seeing a lot of uh, tests out there, anti-aging tests. I'm working with them, a couple of anti-aging tests that measure marks on your, on your cell, epigenetic marks, methylation marks which really can tell you a lot about your biological age and uh, how well you're aging, whether aging slower 
or faster. And it, it's great to have these functional markers so at least you know what's going on. There are non-blood functional markers, certainly aerobic uh, breath, you know how your, your lung capacity is a great marker, balance, you know, can you balance on one leg and the other leg? Um, you can look at heart rate variability, which is another great marker. You know, when you exercise, how fast does your heart rate come down to normal? Brain speed test, you can get them online. We're also starting to do in the office. How fast is your brain speed? That's also very, very important. So and there are a lot of different uh, age markers. You really want to make sure you're doing the right thing to avoid age-related diseases. We've accepted the fact that this is normal. Well, it's not normal. It's not normal to have age-related diseases. And why? Because there are populations that don't. I was watching a great video the other day of the seven-day Adventist, and it was it was really kind of a... Um, you know, it got me really excited to see what's possible. Now, these people eat a vegetarian diet, plant-based diet. They have a lot of social support. They do a lot of exercise. They don't smoke, drink, and well, I guess they're unhappy. But <laughs> and they're living as centurions, healthy centurions. I mean, there's an individual at 90 lifting weights and doing all sorts of wonderful things. So, wherever you start, earlier you start, the better. Okay. I mean, personally, I started anti-aging. I didn't have the information I have now at 30. And I was taking high doses of vitamin C and, and glutathione and whatever nutrients I could. So starting early. By the way, interesting, as my brain works, I'd love to <laughs> get a little bit off topic. A new study on vaping. And the problem is so many young people are vaping. And you can do the search if you're a vapor or you have, you know, someone you know who's vaping. And it changes cellular functioning, especially mitochondrial functioning. Um, you know, a lot of things that it doesn't do great for the body. And so it's not just, uh, well, stop smoking. It's not going to be as, as harmful as smoking, but it's not harmless. Now, I'm not sure. And they didn't, you know, differentiate uh, whether you're vaping uh, cannabis or you know, nicotine. Uh, and they didn't really differentiate, but certainly um, vaping into the lungs. Lungs are made to breathe. And moving on to another topic, and this is this is really important. I came across, and I'm recommending this um, podcast, other podcast, and and site, Doctor Haberman, H A B E R M A N. You can put in Doctor Haberman Lab. He's a neuroscientist and a professor, also with a specialty in ophthalmology, and he has what I call amazing informational podcasts. He cites the science, so if you have a science background, it really does help, but he tries to explain it in ways that lay people not scientifically oriented can understand, 
with practical things, things that really make a difference. And that's great, because as he said, it's wonderful that you can look on the web and there are lots of, you know, gurus. But a lot of stuff is just anecdotal, which is fine, okay? Sharing anecdotal information is fine, but it's even better when there's some scientific basis for... Um, and reasoning behind the recommendation. That's what I try and do with my clients when I'm doing my longevity counseling. You know, have things that have some factual basis to it. Being open that there'll be new things, always new things. And look, science is about coming up with a working hypothesis that uh, seems to be uh, valid and it might prove wrong or it might prove right. And it's great to have negative findings, even though a lot of journals do not seem to favor as much uh, negative findings, especially around pharmaceuticals. But that's a, that's another topic. But let me get back to the Haberman and uh, breathing. And he was doing a podcast on uh, different uh, uh, hormones and, and how our brain ties into them. And he talked about breathing. And especially nasal breathing and how many positive effects nasal breathing has as opposed to mouth breathing. Well, you might have a stuffed up nose and you can't breathe and then I recommend quercetin and bioflavonoids and, and watching your diet and trying to have a, you know, maybe even nasal flushes, which I like. But if you can still, you know, <laughs> breathe out of your nose, it has some amazing benefits. Now, I knew about it from yoga, yoga techniques and those, you know, uh, long-held traditions of nasal breathing, but I started to do it. And I wasn't paying attention how much I was doing mouth breathing, even working out. And I can tell you personally, I mean, those amazing benefit, short-term, almost immediate benefits from focusing on the nasal breathing especially during these, you know, stress times. You know, a great, great way to quiet the nervous system. Another interesting finding on turkey. I hadn't realized, you know, turkey can produce tryptophan. Tryptophan can help people sleep. But if you have inflammation, it can actually turn into a, a negative compound that might not help you and might even be somewhat harmful. So it's important to know your inflammation markers, whether it's a HSCRP or a SED rate. Inflammation is really seems to be a heart of so many, well, we saw in COVID, but so many other health conditions of keeping that inflammation appropriate. You need short-term inflammation, but chronic low-grade inflammation or even high-grade inflammation can be such a major factor in aging, aging diseases, and your general health status. Another interesting finding <laughs> that I heard from, I put together from Dr. Haberman's uh, lectures, testosterone and inflammation. Inflammation can lower testosterone. There are testosterone estrogen receptors in the lungs. Hmm. What an interesting finding given so much uh, respiratory and lung problem that's been part of the this health crisis we've been going through. And it's quite possible 
and that having lower levels of these hormones to start with would make you even more prone to the lowering of the inf- uh, lowering because of inflammation and since there are receptors in the lungs wow interesting you know interesting thought that this may make people more prone to the seriousness of uh, covid and respiratory issues so it might be really important to look at your get you know your free and bound testosterone levels done see what they are and either fixing them pharmacologically or looking at all the different ways that you might increase um, your hormone levels both estrogen and testosterone and balancing some of those other hormones so because so many hormones have brain and we already know this i mean it's been proven over and over again through the area of psycho psychonumenology the connection between your brain and your immune system and stressors uh, how these these affect your immune system you know especially uh high cortisol high cortisol stress hormones so we come to the end of this podcast because I'm getting a little hungry. <laughs> no, we're coming to the end of the podcast. Um, I, again, I appreciate you sharing it and uh, subscribing so I can increase uh, my numbers here that I know listeners. And then I'll eventually um, put them on other servers. Uh, it's my goal before the end of the year to put them on Apple and uh, Striker and other other podcast uh, uh, listening places and maybe also start to include some videos if you have any suggestions or questions feel free to email me at steven or you can put the comments in the podcast uh, commentary steven s-t-e-p-s-t-e-p-h-e-n steven nutrition at gmail ah i'm going to put in a plug before the end here i've done many many podcasts on sulforaphane and broccoli seed for immune system for brain for anti-aging and uh, i've arranged uh, to have a holly discount on the original broccoli seed which was developed by cordell for john hopkins this is the one that's tested and standardized not uh, something from china it's a seed company so you know what's in the product and uh, we're going to be offering a discount holiday black friday discount on the vitalica physician which is the strongest one and the most effective one so if you want more information than that you know you can uh, uh, text me or uh, you can text our business at 914 914-960-5569 914-960-5569 or 914-512-0840 or I'll give you two more emails Stephen S-T-E-P-H-E-N Stephen Nutrition Stephen S-T-E-P-S-T-E-P-H-E-N Stephen Nutrition at Gmail and we have another <laughs> business um, address you can email at Talking Herbals. Make you talk, talking herbals, either at Gmail or AOL. But we all have so many addresses, you know. You can forget where you live. <laughs> anyway, so much more information to share, but I'm going to go back and do some more research because if I keep doing podcasts, I'm not going to keep up on all the research. Again, Steve Alpern, thank you for listening. <laughs>